Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, uh, your host. Uh, happy day before Friday. Happy Thursday uh, to you and yours. Uh, another great week. March is on. We have an awesome, fantastic show planned for you today. Royce White's going to be here. Shamika Michelle's going to be here. Delano Squires is going to be here. And I got a fire and a fire starter for you that should get this day off and rolling. I'm very excited about it. I hope you are as well. Uh, so uh, let's get to it. Democrats should rename their governing body. The Democratic National Committee, established in 1848, in no way reflects the modern platform, agenda, and strategy of the party. I got an idea. The dead Negro Confederacy more accurately characterizes the political party obsessed with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, the 1921 Tulsa massacre, and 70-year-old racial lynchings. Dead Negroes fuel the DNC. Yesterday, Charles Booker, a Senate candidate running for Rand Paul's Kentucky seat, released a 72-second ad featuring a noose tied around his neck. In the ad, Booker claimed mobs lynched his ancestors. Via Twitter, he stated three of his uncles were lynched in Kentucky. Writing, quote, <clears throat> lynching is a tool of terror. It was used to kill hopes for freedom. In Kentucky, it was used to kill three of my uncles. In this historic election, the choice is clear. Rand Paul may want to divide us, but hate won't win this time. It's time to move forward together. I mean, I just can't think of a more unifying message than that, than wrapping a noose around your neck and, and bringing people together. I mean, <laughs> this Charles Booker, I mean, he is the great unifier. Let's check out his full commercial so you can see it for yourself. The pain of our past persists to this day. In Kentucky, like many states throughout the South, lynching was a tool of terror. It was used to kill hopes for freedom. It was used to kill my ancestors. Now, in a historic victory for our Commonwealth, I have become the first black Kentuckian to receive the Democratic nomination for U.S. Senate. My opponent, the very person who compared expanded health care to slavery. The person who said he would have opposed the Civil Rights Act. The person who single-handedly blocked an anti-lynching act from being federal law. The choice couldn't be clearer. 
do we move forward together? Or do we let politicians like Rand Paul forever hold us back and drive us apart? In November, we will choose healing. We will choose Kentucky. I, I don't know about you, but certainly don't you feel healed after watching that commercial? I mean, that noose tied around his neck. What could be more healing than that? Charles Booker's commercial criticized Rand Paul for blocking federal anti-lynching legislation. The accusation is completely disingenuous. After objecting to a proposal that failed to properly define lynching, Rand Paul, alongside Republican Tim Scott and Democrat Cory Booker, co-sponsored the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act that is now federal law. Now, the, the law is completely purposeless, cosmetic, and totally political. For the last 60 years, death by lightning strike is far more prevalent than lynching. What has become prevalent in recent years is leftist public figures and political activists using relics of America's racist past and dead black criminal suspects to advance their careers. Charles Booker stole his campaign strategy from Jesse Smollett, the actor who tied a noose around his neck to gain popularity. The ploy backfired on Smollett, but it worked for NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace Wallace rose from obscurity and a lack of sponsorship support on the ridiculous insinuation that a garage door rope was really a threatening hangman's noose. Two years ago, Charles Booker thought he could ride the momentum of Black Lives Matter and his participation in Breonna Taylor protests to challenge Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell for his seat. During his bid for the Democratic nomination, Booker ran a more traditional campaign. He espoused stereotypical far-left Bernie Sanders-approved political policies such as universal health care and the Green New Deal. Booker failed to get out of the Democratic primary. He lost to Amy McGrath, who lost a relatively close race to McConnell. Here's what uh, Charles Booker sounded like just two years ago. Check this commercial out. You know the name of the man I'm talking about, but he doesn't know your name. He doesn't see you in the hospital bed, or the checkout line, or at the safety drills in your classroom. He doesn't see you at all. How many times are we gonna reelect politicians who don't laugh at our jokes, who don't sing at our churches, or who wouldn't call to show us support when we get laid off or get in a car wreck? He doesn't need hope or faith. He's got money and power. And the more power he's won in Washington, the more we've lost in Kentucky. Smigging their friends mind our land, our labor, without paying a living wage. He denies climate change, and he denies us a future. And this man knows more than anybody how to work the system in Washington. He's the architect, but he's done nothing for Kentucky. Because he's not your neighbor. He's not your brother. He ain't even from here. So I grew up in the West End of Louisville. I live in 40203, the poorest zip code in the state. And growing up, I remember so often my mom would go without eating dinner just to save food for me. But I still went to school hungry and tired sometimes. I lived that. And I knew it didn't have to be that way. 
See, I had faith that things could get better. I had faith because I saw my grandparents opening up their homes to foster care. I saw my neighbors fighting back on the picket line, and I saw my uncle become an advocate after my cousin was murdered. Teachers, students, union leaders were all believers. And my mom always told me that if you have faith just the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain, and that mountain has to move. I'm not the alternative to Mitch McConnell. We are. This isn't the type of deal where someone can just run for office or someone can just ask for your vote. Nah, I'm asking for that kind of perseverance you only find in Kentucky. I'm asking us to build that kind of community you only find in Kentucky. Kentucky needs a movement and we need to start talking about our dreams again. We need a Green New Deal to create thousands of good jobs right here in the Commonwealth to help us do what we do best, take care of one another. We can guarantee new jobs for teachers and nurses, build new hospitals and schools, and we can win Medicare for all so that nobody has to die because they don't have money in their pocket. We can win real democracy in Washington and the workplace. And when we win, we show that something new is happening in Kentucky. Because we're not a joke. We're not a tragedy. I know Kentucky is the future. And America should follow our lead. So, I don't know if you're keeping score at home, but Charles Booker, and, and I don't say this flippantly, but maybe I do say it a little bit flippantly, but if you're counting at home, he's had three uncles lynched and an uncle who I think he said found his murdered cousin. So, this, this man is like, he's, a participant in a mass murder scheme that has included three uncles and a cousin. Think I, I don't want to be a part of the Booker family. The life expectancy is not long. Booker supporters, uh, of course, blame racism of the white Democrats for his primary defeat to Amy McGrath. It's no surprise Booker is back campaigning with a racially divisive message. It's the primary message of the dead Negro Confederacy. The Grand Wizard of the DNC, Barack Obama, modeled the strategy in the immediate aftermath of the Uvalde massacre. Obama told the dead Negro Confederacy, quote, as we grieve the children of Uvalde, we should take time to recognize that two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd. The DNC does everything it can to keep dead Negroes top of mind for the American public. Wednesday, President Joe Biden commemorated the Tulsa race massacre, tweeting, quote, Today, we remember the hell unleashed uh, 101 years ago in Tulsa, where Greenwood was raided, firebombed, and destroyed by a violent white supremacist mob. It wasn't a riot, it was a massacre. We must continue to reckon with, reckon with the past and work to build a more just future. The dead Negro Confederacy strikes again. Democrats do not offer solutions. They tell black people to lock their eyes on the rearview mirror or risk being caught from behind by racists. It's the dead Negro Confe Confederacy, the conspiracy theory of choice for the left. In their preferred conspiracy, the only thing standing between black people and a noose is the dead Negro Confederacy. Vote Democrat or die. 
That's the same message the KKK sounded when six former Confederate soldiers founded the organization in 1865. The KKK worked on behalf of the DNC. It's always been the Dead Negro Confederacy. Dead Negroes have long served as the platform to elevate Democrat politicians. It explains why the Dead Negro Confederacy is perfectly comfortable with Planned Parenthood and the astronomical number of black babies killed during abortions. It also explains why cities controlled by the Dead Negro Confederacy have high murder rates among their black citizens and support defunding the police. The Dead Negro Confederacy strives to make black people vulnerable and dependent on the goodwill of government. The DNC is against self-sufficiency and self-defense. It has pitted law-abiding black people against law enforcement by convincing black people that we're all George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, or Emmett Till. Truth is, we're not. Tamir Rice is not analogous to Emmett Till, a 14-year-old brutally killed in 1955 after a white woman accused him of untoward behavior. An overaggressive police officer made a tragic decision to shoot Rice while the 12-year-old was holding a toy gun. The only people who should worry about dying the way Floyd did are people who regularly use fentanyl and think it's wise to disobey police officers for 20 straight minutes. If you're a woman who believes you could be killed in a similar fashion to Breonna Taylor, I strongly urge you to get a new boyfriend. Ditch him for a man strong enough to leave you in the bedroom while he checks on the trouble at the front door and one smart enough to not indiscriminately fire his gun at police or intruders on the other side of the door. Everyone else? should be asking themselves what they find so redeeming about the dead Negro Confederacy. Perhaps it's the organization's position on climate change. Let's hope it's not the DNC's affinity for dead <laughs> Yes, I said it. I hope they bleep it out, but that's what it's all about. They love dead N-words. Their entire platform is built on the backs the caskets, the bodies of dead black people. It's the most racist organization going in America. This clown Charles Booker tying a rope, a noose around his neck, like Jussie Smollett, and thinking it's okay. And people not rebuking him. His commercial has more than a million views. And I saw people, oh man, you really made people uncomfortable. This is great. We got to keep dead black people top of mind for black people. We have to keep them looking in the rearview mirror because looking in the rearview mirror is how you get ahead in this world. Or perhaps it's how you make very little progress in this world. Perhaps it's why you don't move ahead in this world, because you're constantly looking over your shoulder and looking in your rearview mirror for the boogeyman. It's the dead Negro conspiracy. They love it. That is their QAnon. Uh, let's roll out to uh, Minneapolis. I want to bring in Royce White because he's running. 
uh, for a seat in the House. He's trying to take Elon Omar's uh, spot in the House in Congress. And I, I wanted to talk, this Charles Booker, I think is 38, young black politician. So I wanted to bring in our young black politician, Royce White, and get his take on this messaging strategy uh, that the Democratic Party has seemingly adopted across the board. Uh, Royce, I, I don't know, well, I'm, I'm, you've seen the video now, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but just your reaction to this advertisement Charles Booker puts out with the noose tied around his neck and claiming that, you know, half of his ancestry was wiped out by lynching and he, he's here to finally do something about it that Rand Paul refuses to do. Well, I have a lot of problems with, with Booker's ad. Um, you know, the, the entire thing is doublespeak, right? And, and you know, my, my concept of where we are in America today is that the biggest lies hide behind the greatest greatest truths. And and there is a, a reality of racism in America's history. But as so far as I see it, the biggest and most obvious sign of racism or, or symbol of the racism of America is how black America has been made to be dependent on the government. Uh, we've been made to be dependent on the government uh, culturally. Uh, and, you know, we have been used and propped up to foment uh, racial tension to distract us and, and the greater American public from our elites, corruption and thievery. And, and Charles Booker knows that. And, and that's why he very carefully and intentionally double speaks around certain issues that would point to a greater establishment corruption. Um, and, and his attack on Rand Paul is ridiculous. Look, when, you know, <laughs> I would have been against the Civil Rights Act now in retrospect. I mean, I can't speak to how I would have approached it at the time, given the emotion of the time uh, that would have maybe been different. But Malcolm X, I mean, not Malcolm X, I'm sorry, Martin Luther King himself in retrospect was cautionary about seeing the Civil Rights Act as a real achievement. In fact, he said, I've led my people into a burning building and, and that there are two Americas. And he spoke to the greater financial circumstance of black people, but of the working class in America. And, and Martin Luther King was ironically killed shortly after that, that speech. Um, so, you know, these are, these are all things that, that Charles Booker and, and the Democrat establishment, but also the Republicans as well, the Uniparty have done well to tiptoe around uh, so that they could keep the conversation in the most hyperbolic spot. Um, I, I would agree that Mitch McConnell is is a sellout as well. And, and, and many of the things that he said about McConnell are true. But what he's not saying is that he's in on it. You, you can't be pro Emmett Till and be you can't be pro Emmett Till and be pro me too. Right. That, that's one glaring problem with with the entire platform. Um, it's just double speak, and it's become common with our politicians all across this country. So, explain to me why you think perhaps the Civil Rights Act was a bad deal for black people. Well, I mean, the Civil Rights Act was was a was a carrot. It was a rotten carrot. It was a way to pacify black people. It was a way to say, uh, here are uh, here here is a symbolic a symbolic um, token of of your equal treatment here in America, given the past, while we shift uh, the entire economic 
scam that we have running uh, against the wider the wider base of of American working class people. And and shortly after the Civil Rights Act was was written and, and, and codified, uh, you had the opening of China, which is the single greatest most uh, the single greatest economic injustice done on the American people. But black people as well. So what is other than perhaps not having any solutions? Why do you think Charles Booker and so many Democrats are, don't even pretend to offer solutions anymore? It's all racial rhetoric. It's all emotional driven rhetoric. Have we just moved to a place in politics where no one even pretends to have good advice or solutions or policies that can move the country forward? Well, I think I think this country is ready for a racial healing. And again, I think the, the globalist led establishment um, finds finds great value in fomenting or, or uh, racial tension or keeping racial tension going to distract us. Um, they don't have to change their sales pitch because we have not grown wise to the scam. It hasn't reflected in our in the way that we vote. It hasn't reflected in the way that we purchase as black people in this country. And, you know, I, quite frankly, I'm discouraged by it these days. I'm, I'm discouraged by it. And, and uh, I'm quite frustrated with with how black America responds or continues to respond to these types of puppets. Uh, these are the House Negroes of today. These are the House Negroes that Malcolm X warned us about. These people who talk and double speak with a silver tongue and try to appeal to our emotion and get us distracted from the greater circumstance. You know, the, the, the maybe the most racist thing that this country did to black people in, in, in conjunction with having us in a dependent mindset, mindset is we were put in a survivalist mentality. And when you develop a survivalist mentality, you become a radical materialist. You base your life, your success on the things that you have. Uh, and, and over time, we become diseased by this comparative model where all of our success, all of our value, all of our meaning in life is predicated on what the next black person has. And then they give us false props like a Charles Booker, who seems like he has success by toting these Democrat, liberal, globalist talking points. And then we all want to aspire to it. It's a complete scam. It's a bait and switch. It's, it's predatory is what it is. And, and the reality is when you become a radical materialist, you lose your sacred honor. And Charles Booker has no sacred honor. I don't I don't trust no black men that wear cardigans like he's wearing in that in that infomercial, uh, first and foremost. And, and that is an ad, ad hominem. And I believe in ad hominems in some cases, especially especially is. Um, but but, you know, that is that is the greater scam that's being run on us. And it's a continual scam. And it continues to prove to bear fruit because black people have not become serious about our circumstance in this country. We bought into radical materialism and we've lost our sacred honor by and large. The other thing that frustrates me about all this is this anti-lynching legislation under the name of Emmett Till. This is addressing a problem that quite frankly just does not exist in 2020. 2021, 2022. I don't know if it's existed in the 1980s 
there hasn't lynching went away basically in the 1950s. And so I, I look at everybody, Rand Paul, Tim Scott, Cory Booker, Charles, Charles Booker, this whole little anti-lynching legislation in the name of Emmett Till, who's stupid enough, it, 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 would almost, it would be like, well, we got a Jason Whitlock legislation that uh, requires him to wear size 34 pants. I don't need size 34 pants. I don't wear size 34 pants. Why pass that law? And, and, I, and so as much as I'm upset with Charles Booker, and I get that Rand Paul was trying to anticipate a political scam, the left was running, and so let's co-sponsor a bill. But, but, but they're fixing a problem that doesn't exist. Well, I mean, yeah, the lynching issue is, is not a real issue. If they want to go back and retroactively change laws to be symbolic towards black people, okay. I mean, fine. I have no opinion on that, really. I'll tell you what does exist today, the Me Too movement in grand fashion. And that's what that's the very lead in the entire anti-lynching Emmett Till bill, is that the Me Too movement and the inability for American men to properly codify parameters around the sexual domain and how the justice system can still use that to railroad men culturally, economically, uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, has not even been talked about here. And it, it won't be talked about at all, at all because just like the Me Too movement is really a Democrat enterprise, the, the rhino and Republican establishment have bent the knee to women as well. It's a they won't most people won't even touch the Me Too issue with a full throat. I happen to be somebody who's not afraid of the Me Too movement in any way, partly because I come from a, a life, a lived experience behind the curtain of what it means to be a professional athlete. And we know all too well that women use sex, the sexual domain to be predatory around their own selfish ambitions. So this entire just believe women, believe all women, which Charles Bookler would certainly espouse to. As, a, as an ideological framework, is completely, completely uh, dangerous for black men. And there's a history of that. So that's the double speak I'm talking about. When they talk about black men and history and, and, and what this country has done on record to our people, they skip over all of the particulars that point to the fact that they plan to be just as predatory going forward. Uh, and, and the Green New Deal is a great example as well. In the Green New Deal, they want to justify the continued displacement of American jobs to a Chinese CCP manufacturing machine that is the greatest existential threat to America's sovereignty and national interest at all in, in American history. I mean, the Republicans and Democrats together, and Rand Paul signed off on this in some cases, but many of the Republicans have signed off on this in some cases. In fact, it was Nixon that opened it up in the first place, conspired to let China run away with our entire manufacturing safety as a country. Right now, if China closed its doors on us, this country would collapse. This country's essential, um, is essential supply chains are compromised. The Chinese have us by the throat. And these people want to talk about a Green New Deal, not because the environment is under catastrophic risk. They're talking about a Green New Deal to justify continuing on 
giving our sovereignty and national interests away to the CCP. And then on top of it, they want you to believe that the new manifestation of American racism is not truly against black people or black men who they selectively decide who is in or who is out. They want you to believe that the new racism is, is against Chinese people. And they call it the anti-American, uh, the anti-Asian hate crime bill. When they say anti-Asian hate, who are they talking about? They're not talking about the people in the Middle East. They're not talking about people from India. They're not talking about the Russians. Those people are all Asian. They're talking about the Chinese. They're talking about people in Southeast Asia. They're talking about we cannot talk or speak down about the CCP, their culture, and what their position is currently on the world stage as it pertains to America and working class black people. It's a scam. Mm, that was really good. I want to go back before I ask for follow up on your last point. I, you forced me to ask you your thoughts on Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, and, and whether or not this is some kind of blow to the Me Too movement, or that's just some little Hollywood sideshow that will have no impact moving forward. No, I think that I think after all of these things are sorted out in our country around our national sovereignty and, and all of these geopolitical issues, there is a serious issue between man and woman that will have to be resolved far better than it has been. You could say that that's going to be the, the battle from now, from, from the beginning of time until the end of time, um, is the conflict between man and woman. But right now, particularly uh, feminism and, and that battle between man and woman has been held up and manipulated to push a cultural agenda. And that cultural agenda is to say that all men, by and large, even black men, especially the straight black men who believe in God, uh, are, are a product of, of a corrupt patriarchy. And, and they use things like the pay gap to justify. It's ridiculous. It's the, the whole premise is ridiculous. Men spend more money on women than vice versa, which is part of the reason why the pay gap is the way it is, because despite what the liberal democratic feminists want to preach, most women in the country still love a man who provides. And Amber Heard is an example of that. With all of her independent success and notoriety, she liked Johnny Depp because he was a star, he was head of his field, he had money, he could provide. It was their house where she was bringing the other men to that we found out in the case. This case is a classic example of how the, the radical feminist movement in this country would like to create a selective moral framework to judge men and to strip men of power and, and to man manipulate men uh, politically. So should we feel a little bit hopeful that Johnny Depp won this defamation lawsuit? I mean, it's 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 neither here nor there, I think. I mean, I think the Me Too movement has taken some huge blows culturally in general because the one thing that they, they really uh, didn't account for was that uh, there are enough men in power to, to, to reject the Me Too movement at its zenith, at its height, with, with all of its ambitions, where it wants to go. Men like power, individual power and sovereignty of their own choices, uh, of their own lives, more than they like their relationship with, with women. Uh, and, and so, you know, they'll only, the powerful men in this country will only let that racket go so far. 
Uh, and this is a sign after 10 years of a buildup in the Me Too movement where where uh, judges and, and, and the greater culture, uh, along with evidence, are saying, nah, Amber, we, we're not letting that 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 slide. Mm. Uh, I got to follow up with you and maybe we'll do it tomorrow. We'll certainly get to it by next week because I, I love the framework. There's definitely a brewing battle between men and women that isn't being discussed in any kind of real way. And we need to be leading that discussion right here on this show, and I look forward to doing it. Uh, thank you, Royce. Appreciate it. Great job, as always. Let me take care of some business. It's getting hot outside, and that's just not from grills firing up. Summer's upon us. And if you're looking for the perfect cuts of meat to cook this year, look no further, Good Ranchers is the place to get American beef, chicken, and seafood this summer. They sell 100% meet and shot and ship it right to your door and right now they're giving away two free 18 ounce prime center cut ribeyes to every person that uses my code fearless that's over two pounds of prime ribeye steaks just add it to your order at no cost with father's day coming up and summer stretching out before us what's not to love this is not the time to wait Claim your ribeyes today before they run out. This is a limited stock item, first come, first serve, and you want to be first when it comes to good ranchers. They deliver the best of American farms and ranches to your door. Make sure you take time today, right now, and go to goodranchers.com fearless or use my code fearless at checkout to get your two free 18-ounce ribeyes. Start the summer off right with good ranchers, American meat delivered to good soldiers. Good soldiers eat good ranchers. Shamika Michelle. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to roll out to North Carolina. Perfect time to roll out to North Carolina after what uh, Royce just said, breaking down the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp situation and talking about uh, the brewing battle or the ongoing battle between men and women, uh, we're going to go out to North Carolina and bring in Shamika Michelle. Uh, Shamika, I think you've paid a little bit of attention to the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard uh, defamation lawsuit, obviously the verdict yesterday. I think Johnny Depp got 15 million, maybe 10 million, and then 5 million in punitive. And mm -hmm. then she got like 2 million against his agent, perhaps. but. I think Johnny Depp at most can get like $10 million after whatever, but he won clearly. And the root somehow, and this is a perfect segue off of what uh, Royce and I were talking about, the root somehow uh, managed to turn the Amber Heard, Johnny Depp thing, two white people bickering over defamation into uh, a headline and a story that said, Amber Heard verdict sends message to black women um, what was that message? I, 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 according to the root, I guess it's like it's it's worse being black than white. But I, I'm trying. To, what was the message from this verdict that black women were supposed to get? And what is there any connection? Are they just reaching here? 
so this definitely isn't what the root meant, I'm sure. But I think it does send a message to all women. But since we want to talk about black women, let's talk about them. The message that it should send is to keep your hands to yourself. What we have taught our young boys and our men for years is to not hit a woman. But we have failed to teach the same thing to our young girls. And what I have noticed is how violent black women have become over the years. So since they want to talk about black women, let's talk about it. Let's talk about how we notice how black women like to stand toe to toe to a black man. They're so disrespectful that they feel like they can stand toe to toe and test him to see how far they can actually push him or how much they can push his buttons. I've seen women get in a man's face and point her fingers, pushing his head until he he snaps or just trying to see how far she can go. And she'll say, what you going to do about it? What you going to do? You going to hit me? You going to hit me? We have become so disrespectful to black men that we as black women, we try to get them in trouble just as anybody else. We are just as much of, of, of an enemy as anybody else, as we claim the white man is, as we claim the white woman is. We talk so much and so hateful and so disrespectful that we push black men a lot of times to their limit without taking any type of responsibility or accountability. In this article, they talked about Tina Turner, Rihanna, and Megan Thee Stallion. I'm not going to include Tina Turner because we haven't seen anything that says Ike wasn't abusive. And these were events that happened over and over and over again. But when it comes to Rihanna and Chris Brown and Megan Thee Stallion, especially with, with Rihanna, the story that Chris Brown gave and talked about how she spit on him and threw his keys and did we do that a lot of times as black women and it is time for us to learn that we need to keep our hands to ourselves stop lying take responsibility learn how to pull back and stop pushing men to the brink of violence we do that a lot obviously i, I i'm i'm gonna dance a little bit. I'm, I'm allegedly fearless, but I'm going to dance a little bit because obviously you can speak more authoritatively on that and more fearlessly on that than, than I can. I can't say there's definitely truth in what you're saying in terms of the whole culture has basically said you're free to disrespect the heterosexual black man any kind of way you want. And what, what we see in the Johnny Depp situation, and, and we've seen it time from, from Brett Kavanaugh when he's up for the Supreme Court, the culture has said, Ooh, you can say and do, do virtually anything to the white heterosexual man and get away with it. And when you give people that kind of license and freedom, they're going to take it. And, and so I, I'm wondering, because there's a lot of people celebrating this decision and saying, this is the end of the Me Too movement. I, I don't know if I completely agree uh, because, uh, and I'll connect it to the conversation we were having earlier. You would think that Jussie Smollett putting that fake noose around his neck and, and bringing those allegations, you would have thought that would end the racial hoax deal.
but I'm looking at a politician basically put out a commercial with a fake news. And so it, it, it hasn't stopped, it just metastasized and took a different form, attacked a different part of the body. And so I'm wondering if, if you think this her defamation suit going against her, do you think it will impact, slow down the Me Too movement? Or do you think it'll just take a different form? I think it'll take a different form because women a lot of times are just hard-headed. I don't think that this is going to sound the alarm as much as it should. I think they will continue to try and think they can do anything and get away with anything and nothing is going to ever stop them. So I don't think that this is going to be as massive as the root tried to make it for, for any group of women. I really don't. For me, Shamika, I, I, I'm just because I'm self-aware, older, uh, have been attacked. I, I live in fear of engaging with women I don't know very well, and 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 so it's it's caused me to take a step back and not be as personable or sociable or as free with my thoughts. Uh, and, and I would imagine other self-aware men are, 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 the, are the exact same way. Who, who know? again, anything can be taken as, if you open a door for a woman, it's, if it's the wrong one, she might catch an attitude of like, you know, what you doing that for? You know, like I can't get it myself. And so you're better off doing nothing than engaging at all. I, I, just sticking to the racial component of it and what the root did and just where relationships are with black men and black women, I, I almost see the situation as almost hopeless because I don't, I don't wanna, let me make sure, I wanna be careful what I say here, but I've seen a lot of guys completely emasculate themselves to maintain their relationship. That they know in order to survive in the relationship, they have to cut their balls off and they can't be themselves. And I'm just not willing to do that. And, and, and I, I think when I see people do that, I was like, well, that relationship isn't gonna work. Y'all may survive, y'all may maintain the relationship, but nothing healthy nothing beneficial is going to be produced in that relationship. Do you see the same thing? I definitely see the same thing, Jason. And I wish more men would start to stand up and stop taking less than what they deserve. I think it would be a, a big change. The only reason I'm not hopeless is because I do know women who feel the way that I do that think men deserve more, especially black men. And I think there's nothing too hard for God. So I do think there can be a turnaround, but it's gonna take work from all parties to actually make Make a change. I'm going to ask you a, a slightly more lighthearted question, although it, I think there's actual truth to it uh, because uh, Pretty is kind of undefeated. And so Amber Heard is attractive. And so I want to ask you what percentage of men, having just witnessed this trial, seen her get slammed for defamation? would still like the opportunity to date Amber Heard? 
85. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's still going to be pretty high. I think as just humans, period, a lot of times we have this competitive nature. We feel like we can change someone. Oh, it's not going to be me. She wouldn't do this to me. I'm better than Johnny Depp. I just think that men are going to fall into that. She won't be single for long. She'll definitely have someone else because we just have this, I can do it better. You know, you see it all the time, especially with women. They'll see that a man is a womanizer, but somehow they feel like they have, you know, what they call pussy power and they're going to change him and he's not going to do the same thing to them. I think it goes both ways between men and women. They just, Sometimes you got to learn the hard way. Yeah, I can definitely see a lot of men say, uh, Johnny Depp wasn't hitting that right. Wait till she get a, right. t- a taste of mine. That'll <laughs> slow her down. No, it won't. <laughs> no, that won't fix nothing. But I, I can definitely see that. Hey, I want to get to our approval rating on uh, Amber Heard. Uh, and I'm definitely part of that 85%. Uh, <laughs> hate to admit it. Uh, but let's go to job performance. I, I got to be, and it, it's probably because I'm not the greatest Hollywood buff in the world. Other than this lawsuit, I didn't know anything about Amber Heard. I don't know what movie she's been in. I, I you know, I wasn't aware of her until this lawsuit. So. You know, seems like a pretty mediocre actress to me. I gave her a 14 in job performance. I don't even remember what I gave her. I think I gave her a 21. You gave her a 21. Yeah. Yes, I gave her, gave her a, a 21. 21 because, first of all, there was so much drugs and alcohol in the case. I think I just went with 21 to make sure we were all over the legal limit. <laughs> I gave her a 21 because did you see her performance in court? She kept her head down. She looked so like an abused woman. She would only look up with her eyes occasionally because she was so timid and abused and so hurt that she hate and ashamed the job performance was excellent so that's why i gave her such a high score it was excellent 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 <laughs> you you made one reference that i wasn't aware so they were using a lot of drugs and alcohol both of them it, it definitely appeared so, yes. There were times, I think his finger got semi-severed because an alcohol bottle was, she threw an alcohol bottle at him and it hit his finger and almost cut it off. It was just so much drugs and alcohol uh, in that relationship. It's no wonder it, it went astray like that. Mm. All right, uh, character, I, I guess I got this right then. I, I'm very low on her character. She lied about him. Uh, and had a very dysfunctional relationship. I gave her a two in character, which I think is two points higher than you gave her. Yes, I gave her a zero simply because I just don't like liars. I don't like liars. I don't like people who have a hard time taking accountability. And Amber is both of those people. She's a liar and she doesn't take accountability. So for me, she gets a zero in character. Mm. Uh, authenticity. I stuck with my two. Uh, you gave her the perfect 10 for authenticity. Uh, how come? Not the perfect. 25 is perfect, but I'm just, anyway, you gave her a 10. 
Yep. I gave her 10 points because some people lie so much that they actually begin to believe the lies that they tell. So it, I think that she's being authentic and thinking what happened, happened. Like this is genuinely who she is. I think she's genuinely a negative person. I think she is genuinely the type of woman you should run from. I think she's being genuine. I, I, I definitely think this is who she is. So I gave her a 10. All right. Uh, on this, I think there's some agreement, uh, not perfect agreement. We're both in the same range. It factor, uh, as I said, pretty is undefeated. I gave her a 25 in it factor. She's got it. Obviously, that's how she got Johnny Depp, and that's how she'll probably get her next husband or victim, uh, whoever that might be. Good luck. Godspeed to that person. I give her a 25, perfect score, 25 in it factor. I gave her a 23 because I gave her the number of the goat, Michael Jordan. Now, whether that's throat goat, I don't know. But she definitely has something for Johnny Depp and Elon Musk for her to have had them. She has it. Beauty, brains, wop, I don't know. But she definitely has it. So I gave her 23. First time I've heard the term throat goat and uh, it cracked me up. Uh, I have her, I can't remember, there was a stripper back, uh, this had to be 20 years ago when there was a controversy about NBA players and, and strip clubs, and some, some stripper in Atlanta called herself the Michael Jordan of sex. And then mm. I think Patrick Ewing and all the Knicks used to, <laughs> used to come to her strip club because she was the Patrick Jordan of sex. Anyway, I've got her at a dumpster fire, Amber Heard, 43. Uh, you've got her at Candlelit. Uh, thank you, Shamika. Awesome job. Thank Appreciate you. you. Uh, let me take care of some business. As inflation surpasses highs not seen in 40 years, the value of the dollar is decreasing with every passing day. You're paying more at the pump, the grocery store, for cars, for housing. Face it, your paper money is worth a lot less. And here's why I love Bullion Max. They're owned by veterans in the precious metal space, offer some of the lowest prices on the internet, and they make it so easy to buy directly from their website. I want to help you get started, so I worked out a special offer with them just for you. Get Bullion Max's Silver Starter Kit at employee pricing. Just go to bullionmax.com Jason. This kit includes five of the most desirable silver products to invest in, including a silver American Eagle and a silver Australian Kangaroo. This offer is limited to just one per household, so get yours now. Go to bullionmax.com Jason right now. Get yourself some precious metals, some silver, some gold. I got mine, and I'm going to get more. All right, uh, stick around. Delano Squires, next. All right, welcome back. A uh, couple things in the news. One, my Charles Booker piece that I, I talked about at the beginning of this show, wrote about... Uh, that actually came, I was looking at Delano's uh, Twitter feed and he mentioned it. Uh, Delano, so we'll talk with Delano about that. Delano has uh, written about Leah Thomas and how she's back in the news cycle. Uh, I think she's done a couple of interviews and so I, I wanna start there and give you a taste of what Leah Thomas has been saying uh, in the news media 
And so I think we got some clips. Or let's play them both back to back, and then we'll bring Delano in and get his take of the column he's written and what he's had new to say about Leah Thomas. But let's start from hearing from Leah Thomas. What do you think is the biggest misconception people have about you specifically? Um, the, the biggest misconception, I think, is the reason why I transitioned, where, where people will say, oh, she just transitioned, so she would have an advantage, so she could win. I transitioned to be happy, to be true to myself. Trans women competing in women's sports does not threaten women's sports as a whole because trans women are a very small minority of all athletes and the NCA rules regarding trans women competing in women's sports have been around for, for 10 plus years um, and, and we haven't seen any massive uh, wave of trans women dominating. I knew there were some people who didn't support me um, on a big team. Not not everybody is best friends with everybody, and I had my close group of friends. And as a more private person, that's that's all I needed was with my immediate friends. I respect everybody on my team. Um, we all go through um, 20 hours of grueling work a week, um, and are all committed to the sport. And I won't. I won't harsh on anybody for that. Leah obviously helps us do better, right? Leah's swimming really fast. Leah's performance helps the University of Pennsylvania swim team. The feeling of winning doesn't feel as good anymore because it feels tainted. There was a lot of things you couldn't talk about that were very concerning, like a locker room situation. If you even brought up concerns about it, you were transphobic. If you even bring up the fact that Leah swimming might not be fair, you were immediately shut down as being called a hateful person or transphobic. But there's never any conversation. The coaches don't sit everyone down and acknowledge what everyone's really upset about. So Penn actually brought in people high up in the athletic department to talk to us. They brought in someone from like the LGBTQ center. They brought in someone from the psychological services. So you, you're upset about what's happening and so yeah. you need psychological help. Yeah, and they told us in this meeting, they said, look, we understand there's an array of emotions, but Leah's swimming is a non-negotiable. However, we can help you make that okay. That's what we're here for. So that second part obviously is a former university or former or current University of Pennsylvania swimmer who had to swim on the same team with uh, Leah Thomas. Uh, that was an interview uh, she did with Matt Walsh, who put out a documentary, What is a Woman, premiered yesterday. I'm going to watch it tonight. Uh, anyway, Delano, uh, without further ado, uh, Leah Thomas back in the news. She sat down with a transgender ESPN reporter, uh, Katie Barnes. Those two guys uh, sat around and talked the transgender issue uh, in a quite positive way. And, and then we hear the other side. Uh, from one of Leah's former teammates or current teammates. I don't know what it is. Anyway, your take today. So, so Jason, there's a, lo a lot of things I have going on in my mind, right? So my, my column really ties together um, Leah Thomas, who's back in the news, as you said, after a, a fairly glowing profile in ESPN, um, written by someone who, according to their Twitter profile, I uses the personal pronouns of they, them. So I'm not even sure what, you know, this person's, you know, uh, chromosomes in the bio would be. But 
it ties together Leah Thomas and Laverne Cox, right? The, the, the actor who a lot of people know from Orange is the New Black, one of the most prominent members of the LGBT community, particularly on the, trans, on the transgender side, who recently got um, a Barbie doll made in his image by Mattel. Uh, I'm not sure if it's tucked or untucked, but the, the, the Barbie doll is, is supposed to be, um, you know, of, of, of Laverne Cox. And I, I tie those things together, you know, with, with an issue that we're gonna talk about a little later, which is that, that lynching video from, you know, Charles Booker. And my, my basic premise is this, and, and you actually heard some of what I'm about to say from Leah Thomas's uh, teammate. My basic premise is this, there has been a direct connection um, by the LGBT sort of movement to tie um, particularly the, the trans part of that movement to the legacy of civil rights in this country. And in doing so, what the left has done has created a new political identity, tra transgender specifically, and said that anyone who does not agree with uh, uh, transgenderism, gender ideology in schools, who does not want men in women's sports or men in women's bathrooms, is no different than the, the, the lynchers or the bigots of yesteryear, the people that Charles Booker had in, in, in his, in his uh, short campaign video. So what the left has done has, has, is turned 99% of the country that actually believes in, in biological sex into transphobes overnight by rewriting the rules on gender. So one of the things I say is that when it comes to gender ideology and the left, we're all Klansmen now. And we're all on this boat, and that's one of the reasons that Leah Thomas and Laverne Cox have gone as far as they've gone so quickly, right? They've reached back, the trans movement reached back to John Lewis on the Edmund Pettus Bridge and gave us Caitlyn Jenner at the ESPYs in 2015. And they, they have moved with lightning speed uh, and really have walked on top of the L's and the, and the G's and have made it so that anybody who pushes back at all in terms of their ideology, in terms of, again, people like Leah Thomas, they cast as a transphobic bigot. And that fear of being called a bigot is why so many people, including gays and lesbians, white liberals, black progressives, and self-identified feminists have been silent in the face of this particular movement. Because when you are someone who's seen yourself as oppressed, the worst thing in the world that could happen to you is to be labeled an oppressor. And you would rather sit on your hands and keep your mouth shut and allow grown men like Leah Thomas. Jason, when I first put that video on, I had to turn the bass down. Cause I said he could, he could change a lot of things. He could change his hair, he could stuff his bra, he can tuck, he can nip, he can, you know, take hormones, but the voice is not gonna change. So they allow grown men to have their way in our culture and community, and the only thing that they can do is sit there and be silent. You, Delano, the, the thing I think about as it relates to the transgender issue, the whole LGBTQ movement and how uh, black people in our past have been used, co-opted, and, and all of that is just, I think about, and I, I don't know the passage or where it came from, but 
at some point, doesn't the devil say to God that he can get, he can get them all to, de- I can get them all to de- basically deny you. Mm. And that's what I think is going on with this whole LGBT movement is the denial of God. And, mm. and it's, I'm looking at many of us who claim to be Christian, claim to believe what's in the Bible. We, in order to be politically expedient, in order to be popular over social media, in order to maintain our job in corporate America, mm-hmm. we are denying God and God's will and God's plan for us. We are, and it's so easy. And, and we, well, she says, or he says, he's a woman. I'm gonna hop on board with that even though I know factually and, I, and, and I'm, you know what? They say that we all, we, the whole country's agreed, we all gotta agree on same-sex marriage. I'm gonna hop on board with that because I have to to keep my job. It's all a denial of God and it's all just way too easy. And, and I know, the reason I can say it comfortably because I know I'm in an easier position not having kids, not having a wife, and so it's easier for me. But I look at guys like yourself, I look at TJ Moe, I look at Dave Shannon, guys with families, wives, kids to protect, and you guys are standing firm, and I'm just blown away at how easy other people are just denying things that they claim they truly believe. And, and Jason, what, what you're describing really is is how shame can be used as a powerful tool for emotional manipulation and social control. So in the same way that many, you know, self-professed white liberals spent decades with their greatest fear being, you know, being called, a, uh, you know, getting called a racist, right? And that fear allowing them to say, you know what, I, I can't comment on anything having to do with race. All the previously oppressed categories, black folk, women, gays, lesbians, are in the same boat. And they are, they are just as afraid to say anything. Um, this, this is why, you know, even women who are prominent in, in either journalism or business or, and, and particularly sports, I, I mention them all the time, people like Jamel Hill, right? Mina Kimes, Joy Reid, these are women who have large public platforms, but they will either only speak in affirmation of the transgender issue or they do not speak at all. So all those teenage girls, those high school girls who are crying out for, for one of their older sistren to speak on their behalf are speaking into the wind. And really what you're seeing is the, 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 the sort of fact of nature that when you remove the strong male from, from, from nature, from the environment. You leave the women and the children vulnerable to whoever the, the next self-serving male is. Because there's, there's always gonna be male leadership. Now, we, we abandon traditional masculinity and any notion of patriarchy, and now we, we've got guys in dresses and wigs, both on the transgender side and also on the drag queen side. I'm sure you see all these videos from libs of TikTok. Every other day, it's, it's a school with, with, with drag queens. Right. So now that's that's the type of males that, that we have running the show and, and the women are terrified. And that's why I, I ended up using 
you know, uh, um, I talked about Disney and the Lion King because Disney is really at the nexus of this. They're the parent company of ESPN, right? The worldwide leader in sports who is promoting Leah Thomas and, and gave Caitlyn Jenner a, an award seven years ago. But they're also the creator of the Lion King. And we, we see what this story looks like when it's unfolded. You had the evil Uncle Scar who wanted to be king but couldn't do it until he moved the, 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 the masculine presence of King Mufasa out of the way. He killed Mufasa, sent Simba, you know, running into the hills, lied to the, to the women and the remaining children about how Mufasa died, um, allowed the hyenas to come in, right? T- took what was a, a bountiful, sort of fruitful green land and turned it into a wasteland. And he remained unchallenged until Simba got old enough and, and large enough in terms of stature and strength to come back and challenge his uncle's lies and his position of authority. And that's the only reason that that, which, that, that community, which was ironically called Pride Lands, was, was able to get some measure of liberty and freedom. And what we have now are a bunch of scars, with scars of all different types, running our society and our culture. And it's sad, right? It's really sad to see because you, you see the, the women and children um, you know, who, who are powerless and they, they can't do anything. ESPN has no choice but to write affirming articles about Leah Thomas, right? Mattel has no choice but to, to make a, 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 at least they think they have no choice but to make a doll of, of Laverne Cox. Um, and, and we see that in every area of our culture, of our politics and our school system and our major corporations. And, and I'm hoping that there, there's a generation of young Simbas who are ready to, to rise up and get Scar out of here. The, the Marines, the U.S. Armed Forces, are mm-hmm. celebrating Gay Pride Month with rainbow bullets and mm-hmm. helmets. And, uh, you know, at some point I wanted to talk, not with you, but I, I wanted to talk about, it ran across my mind. I saw Barstool Sports leaned all into Gay Pride Month and gay merchandise and Black Lives Matter stuff. And I'm, Everybody's just selling out for money, man. Yep. Everybody. And, and it's, it's sick. But Delano, the other thing, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get to uh, I, your tweets yesterday about um, Charles Booker mm-hmm. caught my attention and made me go look it up and, and just. When I, when I look at the left and how they're using race and historic racism and dead black people mm. as the platform for them to stand on. From, and that's from Barack Obama to, hey, I know you're thinking about the Uvalde kids, but don't forget George Floyd. We got, can't mm-hmm. forget George Floyd. Yet yesterday, Biden is, oh my God, hey, you gotta remember 101 years ago, the Tulsa massacre and, 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 and this guy, uh, Charles Booker, puts a fake, uh, uh, puts a noose around his neck in a commercial. I, it's, it's one of the most repulsive, grotesque, uh, unethical things I think I've ever seen f- from a politician. And there's a long, politicians do a lot of really bad things. He's in deep competition. 
but but here's somebody I, going full Jussie Smollett mm. uh, is is comical to me. I just anyway, your thoughts. So, so Jason, this is that commercial is the epitome of what I've labeled on this show as the Selma syndrome, which is the fusion of America's racial history, right? Particularly the ugly parts of our racial history, and um, sort of the Democratic Party platform. And they use the Selma syndrome, right, which has features of Stockholm syndrome, right, where the, the the person who's captive feels like their future is tied to the person who 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 is their captor. And what the Democrats do is is use that ugly racial history for the purpose of man, emotional manipulation and to drive people to the polls. It's totally self-serving. He's not making some larger point about current threats to black lives today. He's not. He's not drawing a line from the hangman's noose to to the the, the handgun in in the hand of a, a largely black male shooter. He's he's not making that comparison. All he wants to do is show a black and white image, right, that he can use as the basis of his campaign, and tell voters that if you vote for Rand Paul, you're voting for your own lynching. But if you vote for me, you're voting for freedom and equality. And as I said yesterday on Twitter, I think that type of craven, self-serving behavior is despicable. And the, the notion that these people say that they're concerned about history and they don't want to whitewash history, anybody that would do that, and, and, he, and he, I think he said three of his uncles were lynched, anybody that would use that type of pain for their own personal gain. And as you said, Barack Obama did it with George Floyd. Jason, I, I meant to talk about this last week on the show where we talked about George Floyd. USA Today ran a, ran a story, and the headline of it, and I'm paraphrasing, was something to the effect of, you know, two years after George Floyd is killed, black women still, you know, are not moving into leadership in, in, in corporate America. And I, and I thought to myself, what, in what world do, do, do people think that the death of one man entitles them to a job in a particular company. But that's the world we live in. And, and as I said, these people are vultures, man. And if they're, if you can find a black victim and a white perpetrator, they will feed on that carcass for as long as they can. And they'll just keep picking, they'll pick all the meat off, they'll open up the bones, they'll suck out the marrow, and all of it is for their own political gain. And that's why over and over again, you hear them, cons whenever they get in the jam, uh, they compare themselves to Emmett Till. Any piece of legislation they don't like is, is you know, new Jim Crow. And, and for me, I would compare it to a parent who adopts a child who was severely abused in their past. And every time that parent wants to get that child to do something, they say, well, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to send you back to your, to your mama and your daddy and see how you like it then. Or I'm going to leave you at the bus stop and see how you like it then. And that, that type of emotional manipulation is cruel. Now, it also shows that this guy has no policy platform to run on because he can't even ground his campaign in this century. He has to go back over 100 years to make his point. So, so on, on the political level, it shows that he's weak. But again, I think the larger point is how easily these people would trade on you know, the, the pain of the past for their own personal promotion and gain. I would love for someone to fact check this guy. He, he, he's mm. three, three uncles lynched, and then he mentioned a cousin murdered, 
I, I, I just, whoo, boy, I mean, this guy, this must be, he must be from the Barksdale family, from The Wire or, so, or something, because it's just like, hardly, he, he's the lone survivor in his family. Yeah. I would love for him to be fact-checked. I, I, again, three uncles lynched? This guy's 38 years old. How old could his uncles be? I, maybe 70, I guess, so 70 years ago in Kentucky, three of his, where's the story? Did they all get lynched at the same time? Uh, are, are these great, 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 great uncles that he heard about or what? Mm. I would love for him to be fact-checked, but that will never happen. Uh, no. And, and I, you know, the one thing, will this ploy I mean, because he's going up against Rand Paul, I think. But I, I, do you think this will be effective? Uh, I think I think it's effective for some people because honestly, part of the, the Selma syndrome, um, the unfortunate part of it is that there are a lot of people. I'm talking about black voters, who who feel like this is America 1922, right? So it, it, I think it would be effective for those people. And I've, I've saw, I saw people underneath the video saying, oh, this is so brave and it's controversial. I feel like Roland Martin retweeted it, you know, with some sense of approval. Um, but I, I hope that for black folk who have some sense of dignity and respect for themselves and the past and their ancestors and this nation's history, that they would reject this the same way they would reject, you know, the you know the story you and Shamika were talking about with the root, where where they're trying to tie, you know, what happens to Amber Heard to to black women, and I, I feel like we are at a breaking point, at a cultural uh, inflection point, where black America, the masses, need to rise up and kick all of these people out of their positions of power and influence. Thank you, Delano. Uh, Thank you, Jason. Yeah, we need to end the uh, dead Negro Confederacy, the new Confederacy started by the left. All right, uh, that's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want.